Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the Webby-nominated podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm excited to be interviewing Deborah Burns today, who's the author of memoir, Saturday's Child, a Daughter's Memoir, a former media chief innovation officer and brand leader for L Girl, Metropolitan Home, L Decor, and L Global Marketing. Deborah has helped many brands and execs reinvent themselves. She founded Skirting the Rules, a firm that helps other women find meaningful futures. She currently lives on Long Island with her husband and close to her three grown children. So welcome, Deborah. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. My pleasure. Thank you, Zibby. So can you please tell listeners what Saturday's Child, a daughter's memoir is about and what inspired you to write it? So this book is about my very unconventional, larger-than-life mother. I was an only child who danced around an otherworldly beautiful goddess of a mother. And life with her was really all I knew. She may have been a tad narcissistic, not a word I knew back then. And she was always central to my life. And when she was 56, she got breast cancer and after some lingering was was not a survivor. And more than 20 years after her death, sort of always carrying her with me, my life was changing and I realized it was time to reflect on that critically important relationship to me. And so the book was born from that reflection, which was full of revelation. And, and then I got inspired to actually write a book when I was on a trip to London with my own daughter. So the mother-daughter story sort of continues. <laughs> and what do, you, what do you think, aside from the larger than life personality of your mom, and obviously I know having read it, but what do you think is the most distinctive aspect of your relationship with your mom? Like, what did you think made this book worthy? So I was born into the prim conservative 1950s, and my mother was anything but. I think what makes this book worthy is even though my relationship with my mother was a unique one, it was a very subtle one. It was one that had a lot of delicateness and intricacies to it. And I lived sort of in the world of gray with my mother, never too sure. Is it me or is it her? And somehow through this one unique story, I managed to help readers see themselves and their own relationships in it, if that makes sense. I know know everybody always seeks some sort of universal aspect to the book, but I think the themes of narcissism, perception and misperception, illusion are important and in everyone's life to a degree. So as you know, from interviewing so many authors, how this began is not necessarily how it ended up. (laughs) We, I, I took many twists and turns and fits and starts and all kinds of things to get to the book that you just read. And I'm so thankful that it did resonate with you. So I feel that Some of its book worthiness is only becoming apparent to me now. Some of the the reviews 
not only from the industry, I'm, I'm going to put those aside and, and just the reader reviews. Not a day goes by now where on Instagram or Facebook, people DM me and tell me how helpful the book was to them or tell me things about my mother that are there for the interpreting because I have no judgment in the book. And I think there's an optimism to the story that is important to people. So it's becoming more and more book-worthy to me as more people give me their feedback and see themselves in the story. Well, that was a great answer. <laughs> I mean, I think there were I think there were so many things that that made it interesting. I mean, your life in general, like the the things that I don't want to give anything away, but some of the I felt like some scenes in the book could have been entire books in and of themselves. <laughs> so there was a lot of drama, but also just a lot of you know every, the drama of the everyday. Really, I liked how you called it how you realized that you had a quote unquote weekend pals relationship with your mom because. She sort of came and go your whole childhood. She was always out Tuesday nights. That's just what she did. She worked all day. She, you know, did what she wanted on the weekends. Sometimes you sat on a couch and waited for her two hours until she was ready. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, my kids won't wait like two seconds for me to get ready. So, and you, you lived with these, with your two aunts in your home who took over most of the, the mom-like functions when your mom was sort of doing her own thing. So I was wondering, was it enough for you to feel loved by your mom without the time being spent? I feel like there's this trickiness to the time spent versus the amount of love. Is it correlated? Is it not? Like, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, well, that's a, a very layered, interesting question that I'll break down a little. But I think th- this book has sparked a conversation around mothers and daughters and women and work. And I think on one level, my mother created a life, crafted a life for herself that suited her needs that mothers today would applaud. It's like, oh my God, she didn't want to do that stuff. So she got her two sisters-in-law who were unmarried to come in, live with her, and take care of absolutely everything. And she never washed so much as a glass again. (laughs) I applaud it because I want a piece of that, as I'm sure, you know, everyone can see themselves in that. So there's that aspect to it. And I think if my mother were alive and reading this book, she would say, but Debbie, which is what she called me, But Debbie, I did what every mother was supposed to do. I gave you a happy home. Uh, You were surrounded by by love. And I saw you, you know, occasionally. (laughs) And and I think there is a fine balance there, even today, for time and nurturing. And there is something to be said for presence that needs to be in the mix. And like any other recipe, it's all the balance of the ingredients. And in that balance, I think things were a little skewed or off for me because I had more of some ingredients, but less of others. And I think her absence and her gloriousness in many ways kind of got mixed with an emotional reserve that she had. She wasn't demonstrative 
where my aunt and my father's Italian fan were. And she also was kind of on high, so more distant. And it was easy for me as a sensitive child for love and beauty and the quality to get a little tangled mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. because she was the way she was. And so I think relating it to children today, I became the mother I needed, which I think is something that we all do. So I made sure that even though I worked and I ended up with a career that grew and grew and took me away more than I ever intended it to at the beginning. But I, I think what I tried to do at the very least was shape the relationship with children so that no matter what, they knew they came first and they were fully loved. So that's how it kind of worked its way out for me and for my own family. I think I had to go through a relationship with my mother so that I could process it. And all mothers intend to evolve for the better. Like with each generation, you have to reject something from the generation before because that's the nature of of progress and, and evolution. And so what I tried to do in my own life was work and I had another world. I had a life where I existed in another world beyond being a suburban mother of three. But at the same time, I blended uh, qualities that made my children feel fully loved. Well, that sounds like you hit it out of the park. <laughs> I mean, that's all you, that's really all we <laughs> can do, so. right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. For all of us, I know you have four, I think. And, yeah. and, and you know, I just said to you in an email, I watch in awe because you're building and branding and establishing yourself so thoroughly in an industry with a powerful footprint. And I know the kind of time that takes and energy. And so I'm full of appreciation for what you're able to accomplish. Oh, thank you. That's really sweet. (laughs) So let's get back to your book for one second. So you have this one conversation with your mom, which stayed with me a lot. And she says, it's not easy being a grown up." And you respond, it's not easy being a kid. And then you ask her what the hardest part is for her. And she says, I guess it's the difference between what you want and what you get. So I just wanted you to talk to me a little about that. And I'm, it sounds to me like you'd have ended up with what you wanted, but perhaps that she just never really did. And maybe that goes to her relationship mm-hmm. with the role of Dom in the book, which I won't get into, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was always an air of disappointment mm-hmm. that I picked up from my mother. She never spoke about it. She never drove home points to me. But it was very clear to me at an early age that my mother was an extraordinary woman living an ordinary life. And that was a sore spot for me because I was always on her team and championing her and never judged any of her actions, never had any resentment toward her in any way. 
which I never really looked at carefully until I was in my own midlife. And so she did not get what she wanted. And in so many ways, she had all the attributes to Mm -hmm. get what she wanted. And I think that was always a little bit of a disconnect for me and a little bit of a, an insecurity in the sense that if this woman couldn't get what she wanted, you know, she looked like Rhea Hayworth when she woke up in the morning and it only got better from there. She was also extremely smart and excelled in history and math. Of course, when you're that beautiful, you can be in life too beautiful. And when you're that beautiful, no matter what your other attributes are, your calling card is always superficial and how you look. And and that was no different for her. But when you live with someone who is so unattainable and so majestic, What it does to the child who doesn't look quite like her is to say, well, you know, if she's not happy, if she didn't get what she wanted in life, what hope is there for the rest of us? And so that that notion of being difficult to be an adult is something that I was always very mindful of at an early age. And I think it shaped a certain path for me in that even though I might have been a little uncertain, I did not want to lead an ordinary life. I almost wanted to kind of step in and be a completion of something for her to make things come full circle. And so whether it was something I had to prove to her or to myself, not being ordinary became important to me. That makes sense. I mean, I feel like, Mm -hmm. I feel like your mother, if she lived today, like it would be so much easier for her to get the attention that she was craving back then, but there just wasn't the means (laughs) for it. You know what I mean? Like she would just like do YouTube videos of herself and you know, there she'd be all over the place. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it would There just wasn't a forum for somebody like her back then. And and so it led to so much frustration. So I don't know if it's good or a bad thing that now, you know, anybody can sort of like pop themselves onto the public scene, if you will. But I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, certainly for her today, I've been asked a lot, what would your mother do if she was born in another generation? And, you know, I do see her as an actress. Mm -hmm. I think she you know, with the whole hashtag movements that are around, you know, I think she would have in another era actually become an an actress. I see her as that, you know, with her own, I don't know if it would be a YouTube following, but she'd certainly have her own Instagram persona and, (laughs) and without a doubt. But I also always see her in relationship to someone else. And so I, I see her being very happy at someone's side and helping them build something together. I think my mother was a man's woman. Mm-hmm. She was a woman's woman, too. She had a lot of friends, but she was a man's woman. I think she, 
she really liked that whole dynamic and fed off of it. Very much liked being the different woman, the one who could mingle between the worlds of women and the worlds of men. And that set her apart in many ways for her era. Mm-hmm. Might not be the same now. So whether she would be married to someone like a Ted Turner, you know, I could for doing that kind of thing and loving to move the pieces around on the chessboard of life with someone important at her side, that kind of thing. So one or the other, or maybe both, Jane Fonda was an actress and married to Ted Turner. So <laughs> maybe she would, have, she would have done the same thing. And And I think my father, who was so musically inclined, would probably have loved the platforms of today. Mm -hmm. All of his efforts creatively never kind of made it through the music industry matrix, the life of the time and DJs or whatever. But today would have been different. And he had a, a, a strong business sense. So I think he would have loved it and probably ended up producing. That's how I see him today. And, you know, they're both to, so important to each other's stories. I would have, I would wish them well, maybe even in independent lives from one another. Mm-hmm. And I feel like your relationship with your dad and the way you wrote about him was just as poignant. I know it focuses more on your mother, but you did subtitle it a daughter's memoir, not like a mother-daughter memoir, which I think is important sure. because your relationship with your dad was super relevant to all of it. And sometimes it seemed a reaction to your relationship with your mom. But the way that you wrote about what happened to him after his hernia surgery, and I won't like go into any details because I don't want to give anything away, but the way you wrote about that and your feelings about him and the closeness and oh, it was so good. And I was just wondering what you thought about when one parent kind of takes up all the air in the room, what happens to that other relationship? Sure. Well, my mother eclipsed everything for me, maybe because my aunts were there too. I I loved them and I knew they loved me, but my prize was winning my mother. Mm -hmm. And that chase and that longing just was preeminent for me. And so my father and my aunts, as much as I loved them, were a little diminished by the qualities of the relationship with my mother. And had I been more certain of her love and devotion, it might have been different for the other people in the household, for the other adults in the household. But unfortunately, he was just not the same intense focus that my mother was. That said, he was extraordinarily important to me. And by the time I finished the book, I realized I'm so much like him. And this has been a completion, not only for my mother, but for my father as well. I was able to do things in my own life that fulfilled some hope or mission for him. And 
Did I answer your whole question? That was now great. I got that was caught great. up in, it was great. in my, it was good. In my relationship no, that, with him. <laughs> no, it's great. I just liked hearing a little more about it. I know we're almost out of time now, but tell me, I want to hear more about skirting the rules. Um, I spent a long time on that website last night and, you know, reading out oh, questions. And anyway. I'm a creator too. You I, are? I am a creator too. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this has been a creative journey that has taken years to get to the book that you held in your hand. And as I said at the beginning, it was sparked by this notion to write. It happened while I was in London and I was looking at portraits of maverick women and unconventional women from the 18th century. And as usual, I was thinking about my mother and picturing her in their time. And then like a movie scene or a lightning strike, I got hit with this notion where I became compelled to write, to learn about these women and write more about them. The phrase skirting the rules came into my head. And so fast forward six years later, skirting the rules is a trademark brand. And even before this book came out, it opened the door to helping women understand themselves more deeply and to kind of share the beginning of my own reinvention journey. So the site is, you're not there yet. Thank you for taking the quiz anyway. anyway but <laughs> the site is more for women who need to reinvent their lives. And my work world has really always been about invention and reinvention and working with brands. And even more so since the magazine brands that I worked on kind of looked their digital future in the eye and really didn't know what to say next. Everything is in a state of reinvention in challenging times as everything accelerates and swiftly moves from an old story to a new one. And the process of writing this particular book, which took 15 months, nonstop where I put everything else in a drawer and basically took my first sabbatical ever because the moment to write this book and tell this story was now. I decided that there were so many lessons in that that I would create a program that helped other women who were 50 plus kind of be the author of their own lives. Because I went through certain steps to get here, and I thought that that was a worthy endeavor to help other women because always working in women's media, I know there's one struggle, and that is women are searching for something. And my own authentic journey can maybe illuminate some spots and some paths in the road. And so I started doing it at libraries. And I, while I was writing the book, that was the one thing I did. I would have a skirting the rules course and it's an eight step program. And I work with women and now I'll be starting to work with corporations on helping women invent and reinvent for their best futures. So all of this kind of came out of the, the book and that first impulse to write about my mother. And it led to all of these other things. Wow. Well, how great is that? You end up helping all these other people. I mean, that's wonderful. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? And, <laughs> and 
And now it seems that there might be workshops for boomer mothers like me mm. and their millennial daughters. Oh, interesting. Who, you know, my, I know we're almost out of time, but it is an interesting point. My generation of, of mothers is really the first to have careers on mass. And now the world is changing, as we talked about. And millennials, who are our prodigy, um, want more balance in their lives. And they may not want the same things mm. that we wanted. You know, I kind of unraveled the myth of my mother and humanized her as part of the process of writing the book. And there are many myths around women and work and achievement, especially as the corporations that hired my generation are melting away mm-hmm. and, and transforming from hundreds of thousands of corporations into millions and millions of untethered millennials trying to find their next thing. And so it's a, it's a never before seen moment in time where our daughters may not be able, at least on paper, title-wise, surpass the, the boomer mothers of, of my generation. And that's fascinating to me. Hmm. And it opens the door to a gazillion new conversations. Do you have any parting advice to aspiring authors out there? I do. Well, first of all, there's a stick tuitiveness that is a part of writing. And everyone seems to go through the same motions of reading what they wrote and saying, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. No one will ever read this. I think... I'm an enormous fan of women's voices, and I think there are so many stories that need to be told. And I think getting it out in draft form and just accepting that every finished book is like draft 392, and and life is in the editing, and the book is no different. So stick with it and keep refining it's great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your coming on the show and taking all your time and sharing your story with us. <laughs> it was so great. And keep doing what you're doing as well. So impressed. <laughs> thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com.